0: to the No Spin News, Monday, March 8, 2021. Stand up for your country. Lead story tonight, the George Floyd situation in Minneapolis. The trial opens today, and it was immediately postponed. I think it took 10 seconds, and the reason is that the uh, prosecutors may lodge a third charge against the former Minneapolis police officer, um, who they say uh, was the cause of George Floyd's death. Uh, The third charge might be third-degree murder. So Derek Chavin, uh, age 44 years old, uh, is literally fighting for his life in this trial. Now, as everybody in the country knows, there's videotape, and we're not going to show you it because it's just inflammatory. We'll show you some stills of, of Mr. Chavin kneeling on George Floyd's neck for seven minutes and 45 seconds. And that led to his death, say the prosecutors in the state of Minnesota. The defense will say that Mr. Floyd uh, was under the influence of powerful drugs, which is true according to the toxicology report. And that was why he was killed. All right? So I'm not going to try the case. That's ridiculous. But. Many millions of Americans have tried the case and convicted Mr. Chavin. He's guilty. You know that. Everybody knows that. That's why the governor of Minnesota called in the National Guard already. Because if Chavin is not convicted of second-degree murder, if he's convicted of manslaughter, the lesser charge, there will be violence in the United States. And everyone knows it. Where is that violence coming from? I will tell you in a moment. But first, this trial uh, is going to be televised on court TV. It's expected to take six weeks. Uh, after they get uh, the charges sorted out, uh, they will begin to select a jury. And then uh, that's going to take a while. This case, by the way, should not be, ch- should not be heard in Hennepin County. Um, it should have been moved to northern Minnesota or even out of state. You're never going to get an objective jury. And once they see the video of Officer Chavin kneeling on Mr. Floyd's neck, it's almost impossible to think anybody would acquit the officer, particularly when they'll hear the audio of Mr. Floyd saying, I can't breathe, calling for his mother. It's, it's horrifying. So I no doubt in my mind that the officer will be convicted, but maybe of manslaughter because of the narcotics in the system of Mr. Floyd at the time of confrontation. Um, But again, I am now speculating. I don't like to do that, but I'm giving you the outlines, the parameters of what is likely to happen. Um, The three other officers involved who stood by and allowed this to happen, they're all being charged together. That will happen after Chavin's trial. And they are charged with aiding and abetting second-degree murder and second-degree manslaughter. So the prosecutors are, are you know, it, that's a felony. That that's jail time. Anybody convicted in this case will go to go to prison. So uh, Derek Chevin is 44 years old. Uh, he's a high school dropout. Served in the armed forces. Got his GED. Uh, joined the force in Minneapolis in. Uh, 2001 at age 25, 19 years at the department, um, and his life is ruined, no doubt about it. Um, he's being represented by uh, a lawyer named Eric Nelson, who is uh, basically a police lawyer. All right. And the prosecution um, is, uh, you know, I would say they're pretty sophisticated. Prosecution here is, you know, it's going to be a fair trial in the sense that Both attorneys will come armed with the facts. The wild card is Ben Crump, who we know very well, and he is representing the Floyd family. So he will be the provocateur here. He will be the one who tells uh, the nation every night what he thinks, what the family thinks. And believe me, uh, this is going to be pretty rough. So everyone is expecting violence in this case. Unless a quick verdict comes in, second-degree murder. Even then, even then, there still might be violence. We don't know. But if it comes in manslaughter, as I said, the lesser charge and you can bank on it. Now, how do I know this? Because I've been investigating this. So there's an article in The Guardian far-left newspaper, uh, and the author was uh, Um Dulat Ajasa, a protester in Minneapolis. And Mr. Ajasa says, quote, in the article, but Minnesota remembers, this is uh, last summer. There is no going back to normal for us. As I drive on the icy streets I spent the summer marching on, I feel a sense of nostalgia and foreshadowing. I'm certain that in the coming weeks, I will find myself marching on these streets again. Unquote. So it's basically telling everybody look, The protests are already organizing. Now, here's the key to this. It's not the Black Lives Matter Global Foundation out of California that's doing this. It's the local BLM chapters. So in your town, you may not see violent emigration, but New York City, San Francisco, L.A., Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Minneapolis, Chicago, you know what's going to happen. Now, the governor has called out the National Guard already, Governor Tim Walls. And um, he knows that there are very few police left in Minneapolis. I mean, it's shocking what has happened there, but the police are gone. Many of them have quit. They've been downsized. There are less than 700 police officers now in the city of Minneapolis, down from about 900 this time last year. 700 police officers cannot control anything, all right, and crime in Minneapolis is crazy through the roof, because there's no police, and the police that are there are demoralized and shocked, and the mayor is a total idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. Okay, so that's the scenario. We are going to cover the trial, but we are not going to speculate. We'll tell you what happens. I expect testimony in about 10 days, maybe, to begin. Um, and we're keeping an eye on all of that. So I want to talk to Jack Brewer. You may know the name. Uh, Mr. Brewer is a former NFL player. I played for the Vikings, Giants, Eagles, and Cardinals. And he is a restaurant owner in uh, Minneapolis. Uh, he's coming up from Coral Springs, Florida, which is a good place to be in the middle of March if uh, you live in Minneapolis. So your restaurant, Cowboy Jack's, Uh, you lost that restaurant in demonstrations, correct?
1: Well, we didn't completely lose it, but we were definitely affected. You know, we had uh, broken windows, folks breaking in, stealing liquor, uh, and, you know, completely vandalized. Uh, But it's been tough, obviously, in in that market with uh, all the shutdowns, and, uh, you know, we had to cut hundreds of employees that we had through our numerous restaurants. Uh, So it, it, uh, the effects of, of Floyd and then, and the coronavirus, you know, you put all this, that that wrap together. Uh, it's been a tough time.
0: Now, you are an influential voice in the Twin Cities, being a former NFL player, restaurant owner, entrepreneur. Um, you're a, a reverend, too. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I preach the gospel uh, loud and proud. Yes, sir. All right.
0: You're, in, you're on the commission uh, of social status of black men and boys. When the uh, riots started in Minneapolis... Did anybody listen to you? Did any, I know you were in the media and you were calling for calm. Did anybody listen or were you just overwhelmed?
1: Uh, it was pretty overwhelming. You know, I, I came out, you know, right away asking for calm uh, and tried to be a voice of reason uh, to many. And, you know, it's, it's difficult, uh, Bill, when people's emotions get the place. You know, I think you'd agree that no one wants to see a man you know, knee on this neck. Uh, That's just a horrific sight, uh, no matter what he did or the situation. Uh, But, you know, my whole thing was to destroy the city uh, in which I already knew that Minneapolis had the highest uh, black unemployment rate in the country uh, due to democratic policies uh, from Reverend Omar and, you know, the mayor, as you mentioned before. Uh, This place needed help. African-Americans in the city of Minneapolis were already struggling. So to go in and then start to burn up uh, your cities and allow folks to come in and burn up these small businesses. I knew it would bring devastation. And then to go further than that uh, and start talking about defunding the police uh, and getting rid of the police force that are there really to protect and serve all people, but particularly the most vulnerable, the most underserved. Those are the folks that need the police. Uh, and so I just thought it was all a, a twisted effort. Uh, and, and folks think that they get on their, you know, their, their woke pedestal and and they speak to social justice. Uh, but if you're destroying property and you're creating lawlessness, uh, that's never going to be the answer for justice. And uh, you, you can't have uh, justice without peace. Uh, and so uh, that was the philosophy. And, and that was, those were the words that I was speaking throughout this entire uh, situation.
0: Now, how many, how many people did you employ in your
1: restaurants at the height? Uh, close to a thousand, you know, in the okay. summers, get up to, to nearly so you're, you're, yeah.
0: and, and many of them are people of color,
1: right? Definitely, of course. We have all races, you know, folks yeah, from all okay. over the world. So
0: so when the riots happen and restaurants like yours get vandalized and, and, and businesses go down, I always say it's up to the people in the town to say and mass stop. But you have the opposite. You have this surge of violence and the surge of anger coming in. People like you get hurt. People lose jobs. It, I know it's irrational, and it, it's, it's an uh, emotional response to that terrible video. I understand that. But in the aftermath, we haven't seen any uh, you know, demonstrations from the folks in Minneapolis saying that the mayor is, a, is an idiot, that defunding the police puts all of, everybody who lives in the town in danger. We haven't seen any of that. Why don't the folks rise up?
1: You're right. You know, I'll even take it a step further, Bill. Um, and I'll say that, you know, the mayor of Minneapolis, uh, he's on the neck of all the youth across black youth across the state. I'll say that the teachers union in Minneapolis is, is they have their knee on the necks of all the black kids uh, that reading and math proficiency levels uh, are, are, are held down. Uh, and so let's keep it real. If we want to talk about being on the necks of people, uh, we have to talk about these uh, left leaning uh, liberal policies uh, that are just completely annihilating opportunity for African Americans. I um, mean, you see African American unemployment rate now is surging, while all other demographics are, are, are dropping, and that's because they abandoned the Trump policies, uh, and now they're coming with liberalism, they locking down uh, these cities, which employ uh, African Americans, particularly the inner city areas, and no one will rise up and say a word about it. Um, well, I don't know why know, the they 50-
0: won't. You know, that's the that's the missing ingredient, Jack, that if unless the folks say enough and unless they vote out people like Jacob Fry, unless they vote him out and we got the Blasio in New York, but it doesn't seem
1: to be happening. Last word. It it doesn't. um, You know, I always call for prayer, uh, but we need you know, we need action at this point. You know, I'll continue to speak out loud, Bill. I get slammed in the media. For having the perspective that I have, but as long as we can get on here and tear up and destroy a city based on skin color, let's make that conversation balance. Uh, let's go after the the institution, the real institutional racism, and that happens uh, with these liberal policies that are are forcing these children into oppression. Man, uh, keep keep on raising these issues. I look forward to watching the coverage of this George Floyd case. You know, I just hope people uh, can can bring some common sense. Uh, to this whole equation, because it could get ugly uh, if we oh, allow. We right. Are you left
0: going? Me. Are you going back to Minnesota soon?
1: Uh, yeah, I'll actually be back in a few weeks here. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, God willing, the, the the weather gets a little bit better, and and this this case doesn't go up in flames. But I'll be I'll be watching it closely and covering it. Uh, actually, one of my dear friends and close attorneys, uh, pretty close to the case, uh, and so I'll be keeping keeping abreast of everything going right, on. So if you need to we'll
0: check back with you, we really appreciate your time. Thanks very much for helping us out tonight.
1: Okay. Thank you, brother. Everything is
0: expensive these days. You know that the government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its free fall and lose its coveted role as a world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Here's a real uh, interesting story. Another executive order signed today by President Biden. All right, so you got to understand something about Mr. Biden. These executive orders don't really do anything. All right, he doesn't order stuff that changes the landscape in any way. It's all theoretical. So today, um, Mr. Biden signed an executive order establishing the Gender Policy Council. What's that? What's what's the gender? policy council. Okay. Here's a definition. The council will focus on uplifting the rights of women and adjust gender-based discrimination and violence. Okay. Um, okay. We don't want violence that's gender-based. We don't want that, do we? No. Um, So you want a council that maybe can come up with some stuff that would mitigate that? All right. But there's more to this. So the person in charge of uh, the Gender Policy Council is a woman named Ulyssa Reynoso. she is chief of staff to First Lady Jill Biden. And here's what she said today.
1: A year into COVID-19, it is clear that women have been disproportionately
0: impacted by the combined public health crisis, ensuring economic crisis, ensuring economic crisis, and caregiving crisis. The pandemic has exacerbated barriers and have historically impacted uh, women and girls. Okay, so now COVID, in addition to harming people of color more than whites. You heard that argument, right? I mean, that's put forth almost every day. Now we learn from Ms. Reynoso that women and girls have been disproportionately impacted by the public health crisis. So if you're feminine, all right. And it or a person of color, COVID got you worse and the unintended consequences of the pandemic. So that leaves one group white guys. So white guys somehow escaped the ravages of the pandemic to a lesser extent than women and people of color. This is what is happening here. Why? What, what is this all about? Okay. What does it really mean? So, and I don't know, please read my column on, on Joe Biden. I don't think Joe Biden knows what the deuce is going on. Now, This is my um, watching him now. We're in our seventh week. I don't think he knows what the Gender Policy Council is, or, but certainly Joe Biden does. So what the Biden administration is doing is dividing the country by skin color and gender. And and they'll throw a few more things in before they're through, believe me. This is dividing it. All right. So we're not all the same. We're not all in it together by any means. No more e pluribus unum. Out of many, one. No, 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 no. Even a virus seeks out certain groups all right and then because of the government response to the virus groups get hurt more than the patriarchy now that's the key word the patriarchy white guys this has to be destroyed now who is the poster boy for the patriarchy beside donald trump all right he he would be the poster boy but who's second Might that be Joe Biden? I believe it would be. So here's a white, ethnic guy, all right, Irish guy. His whole life has been spent in public service. He didn't have to compete in the marketplace. And he's a white guy, and he had power in the Senate. And now he had power as vice president, and he has power as president. He is the patriarchy, okay? that all of this far left progressive stuff wants to dismantle. So you don't hear Dr. Martin Luther King has to be canceled because of some of the things he did in his life. Don't hear that. All right? Jefferson does, Washington does, Lincoln does. All right? But no women have to be canceled, no people of color have to be canceled. Just the patriarchy. So this Gender Policy Council today is just another example of the progressive left completely controlling Joe Biden. It's 100% now. And you remember we went over this last week, I gave him a chance. So my column is the Biden conundrum, word of the day, conundrum. It's posted on BillOReilly.com. It goes through all of this. So, and I sincerely believe that Joe Biden has no blanking clue what the Gender Policy Council is, what Black Lives Matter is. He doesn't know, He doesn't care, not engaged. In California, there is a bill, Assembly Bill 108.4. The bill would forbid department stores from having boys' and girls' sections. (laughs) All right. So you walk in. What is Robinson's, a big store out in California, I believe? Walk in. Where's the men's? No! No, 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 by law. All right. This has been advanced by Assemblyman Evan Lowe, who is the head of the LGBTQ Caucus. Here's Evan. Hey, Evan, how you doing, man? Okay. And Christina Garcia, Assemblywoman. She is the head of the Legislative Women's Caucus. Are you getting a theme here? So in California, if this passes, then you can't have a men or women's or boys and girls section in a department store. You don't think this is fascism? I right, they don't even do this in China or Russia or Iran. <laughs> so, if you are a longtime member of uh, BillO'Reilly.com. We've been watching the No Spin News for years. You know that my predictions are pretty much accurate. On November 12th, I said this. Go. So in the next 12 months, there is no doubt, no doubt that the entire media in America, corporate media, is going to be severely hurt. How does this affect you? Well, your viewing options will change. Okay. I don't know how, but they will. Personnel is going to change. Okay. So now we learned that Newsmax, the surging conservative cable channel, which added viewers because they um, disputed the election uh, in Donald Trump's favor, has lost 50% of its audience in February last month. 50%. Now, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, all down fairly significantly, fairly significantly. Network news falling as well. I don't have the network numbers, um, but I will have them later on this month. So my prediction made, again, last November, November 12, 2020, was the corporate media is going over the cliff. The reason is that Trump's gone. And he was the star for five years. And so the star is gone. And then COVID is subsiding now. What are they going to do? Now, there may be violence, as we said, top of the program over the George Floyd trial. That'll bring people back. They'll always come back to see pictures, always. But the media, big trouble. There's a company called Sinclair. They're in 75% of local markets around the country. They're laying off about 500 people um, because they're not making as much money. Sinclair, out of here. Um, In San Francisco, you can barely cover the local news because of the violence. So uh, a KPIX Channel 5 reporter named Don Ford went out to cover the astounding rise in burglaries and motor vehicle thefts, Um, they're up crazy in San Francisco because there's no law enforcement. Criminals know they can do whatever they want. So Ford is interviewing people about this and all of a sudden a van pulls up, a guy jumps out with a gun and steals Ford's camera. Roll the tape. You want the camera? I just kept my hands up like this. The car came up here while we're about to do an interview. Three guys jumped out. One had a gun, put it up to my face and said, we're taking the camera.
1: My whole thought at the moment was, let's be calm. Let's not get this guy excited. He's got the gun. I don't. So you take the camera. It's yours, buddy.
0: And if they found the guy, which they won't, nothing will happen to him. That is what progressive policies are doing in every single city where the progressives rule. San Francisco, you can't even cover the news anymore. Cancel culture. Now, this is uh, encouraging, okay? So, two dozen states, all red, all run by Republicans, have introduced bills that would hold social media giants. We're talking Facebook, Twitter, all of those, okay? Legally accountable if you censor somebody, all right? So, the bills vary. Texas is the most advanced, Senate Bill 12 all right, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, if they block, ban, demonetize, or discriminate against a user, they can take them to court and sue them. All right? Now, that in the red states would mean a lot. So Louis Farrakhan, okay, I think he's 88 years old or something, Louis. I mean, he's really getting up there. Louis thinks that uh, the vaccine. Is a conspiracy to kill everybody roll the tape now god is gonna turn your vaccine into death in a hurry mark my words by the help of god since you love to take the vaccine then eat death you think you're running from death and that I'm inviting you to death. The man of God is not inviting you to death. I'm inviting you to life. Yes, okay. So Farrakhan, he's still up on Twitter. Hasn't been banned. Trump's banned. Not Farrakhan. Facebook did take that off. And they were wrong to take it off. I want to see this all day long. I don't want Louis Farrakhan banned. Let him say this lunatic stuff. All right, is it right to be a lunatic as long as he didn't hurt anybody? Now, is he hurting people by telling them the vaccine is going to kill them? Yeah, if you listen to Louis Farrakhan, yeah. But who listens to Louis Farrakhan? So you got to weigh that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to get into the uh, COVID stimulus bill today. I want to see it signed and all that, and then we'll get into it you know about it. I mean, everybody else is covering that. But I don't really have anything to say about it. I'm glad it offers some relief to some people who need it. But we'll go down uh, once it does, once President Biden signs it. Um, Another executive order, increased voter access, all bunch of bull. All you need to know is that Democrats don't want any uh, restraints or constraints on voting. Everybody votes anytime they want. No uh, ID, no verification, nothing. That's what the Democrats want. And Biden's going to sign, as I said, anything to put in front of him. Border policies. Okay. Now, PJ Media, conservative outfit, they have an interesting article this weekend. Uh, They say that last month, February, Border Patrol stopped 100,000 people at the border, the most since 2006. All right. Last Wednesday, 4,500 migrants crossing into the USA were taken into custody by the Border Patrol, that according to Reuters, okay? Now, what's going to happen to these people? Well, they all get released. They're releasing them all, okay? No COVID tests, nothing like that. Just, and they get $1,100 bucks if they apply for asylum, which most of them do. I want asylum. Uh, you know, my government's prosecuting me uh, and persecuting me in Honduras. Give me the $1,100, and, and then I'll, I'll see you later. But I won't see you later. Is this the Biden board policy? It's like, I mean, this is going to really sink the Biden administration. wait and see. All right, lighter note. Need a lighter note, I think. So Queen Elizabeth, and I'll get to Meghan and Harry and the final thought, okay? So if you're hanging on that, I I, I got something to say about it. So Queen Elizabeth, her husband, uh, the king. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Prince Philip. There is no king right now. 99 years old, he's going to die soon, all right? So Philip's in a hospital, he's on his way out. To console her, uh, Queen Elizabeth has two new corgis, all right? She's a big corgi person. They're living in Windsor Castle. Um, Now, over the years, Queen Elizabeth has had tons of corgis. She's never walked one of them. She's got people to do that for her. But the problem with this story is that my corgi, Holly the terror dog, is now acting out because she wants to go to Windsor Castle. I'm trying to explain that we're not royalty here in the O'Reilly home. I should have a pretty soft ride here, the terror dog. But he's looking at me like, hey, hey, how come I'm not over there? I mean, it's always something. Stay day in history, March 8, 2014, seven years ago. Remember the big story, seven years ago? Malaysia Flight 370 disappears. And that was the most bizarre thing that I've seen. So it takes off from Kuala Lumpur about one in the morning on its way to Beijing uh, and gone. Vanishes. All right. 239 people evaporated. Nobody has solved it. Nobody to this day has solved it. That plane uh, and I reported on it. And I'm going, what's going on? So, over the years, I've done some investigating, and here is my theory. This is not fact. Okay? My theory. There were two guys that boarded that flight with fake passports, both of them Iranians. Okay? They're on board, going from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing, and they're Iranians. Why? Malaysian Airlines, terrible security. So these guys are on there. I think they took the plane. And I think they crashed it into the Indian ocean. That's what I think happened. But still to this day, that Malaysian disappearance is unsolved. Back with some mail and a final thought on Meghan and
1: Harry. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith.
0: All right, let's get to the mail on the message board. Larry, Bill, you say the wealth tax is unconstitutional, but how is my annual property tax different? I've gone over this, Larry, but for you, I'm going to do it again. Your property tax is a county tax, not a federal tax, not a state tax. Your county says we are going to charge you a certain amount of money to live here in the county, and that money is going to go to the schools and then general things that we need. All right? So that's constitutional. For the federal or state governments to say we're going to take your stuff, We're going to go into Larry's house, evaluate what he has. We're going to do it, not Larry. So we're going to tell you how much Larry's car is worth, his paintings are worth, house worth, and we're going to take 2% every year of it. Confiscation. That's the difference. Frank, the movement from free society uh, and country to a progressive socialist communist country is moving at alarming speed. I never thought I'd see it in my lifetime. It's because the media has collapsed. There used to be a bulwark against the extremist stuff. All right? So if you were a communist, the media would say, that guy's a communist or even a socialist. Now, media is sympathetic with the socialism movement. That's the difference. Walter, what was the nickname for Joe Biden that O'Reilly mentioned on the radio? Hayden Biden. Not talking to the press. That's the radio thing. I hope you guys will listen to me on the radio. Okay, we do the O'Reilly Update on 300 stations across the country every day, WABC Radio. We uh, do. We're all over the place. Brian. Billamore, uh, Biden stumbles at his press conferences. More likely, he will be replaced using the 25th Amendment. That is my column, the Biden conundrum. And I think you are wrong, Brian. But we'll see, right? Candace Rogers. Ashtabula, Ohio, I wonder how someone who is a self-proclaimed socialist makes an oath to a republic. Because you're allowed to be a communist or a socialist under our Constitution. All political parties, unless they preach violence, are allowed. But you can take an oath if you're a socialist or communist to the United States. Jackie Thews, Maranek, New York, Hi Bill, you are one busy guy. Love you getting the truth out in your many venues. Whether it's a No Spin News, radio, or various interviews, we're better for it. Kudos to your team that helped make it all happen. I have a great staff. It's lean and mean. You know, we don't have a lot of people, um, but I took some from Fox News with me when I left. And It's like the Navy SEALs. I mean, we don't make many mistakes, and when we do, we take it serious. So I have a great staff, and I appreciate all the good work they do. Watson Finger, Katy, Texas. How do the illegal islands get on a plane without a state or federal ID? You can get on a plane with a Mexican or Honduras passport or even a driver's license. You don't, you don't need to have valid U.S. citizenship to get on a plane. John Wilson, the Philippines. Did or did not Donald Trump give illegals $1,100 in cash also? No. Policy was you wait your asylum in Mexico. Now that policy is gone john whiteford rochester new york bill i'm curious about these legal immigrant hearings if 90 percent of them don't show up why is there a backlog of three to five years in the courts because they have to do the paperwork you have to look at the case you don't get a case heard on asylum like you do a jury trial it's not the way it goes all right the judge looks the judge's clerks look they don't and they say okay Jose or whoever, this is the situation, blah, 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 blah. and then Jose comes in, says to the judge, this is why I need it, da, 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 da. Uh, And there's a government person that goes, no, that doesn't fall under the um, jurisdiction of uh, asylum. And then a judge makes a decision. That one takes time. you got hundreds of thousands of cases. Dylan uh, Calkhurst, Ormond Beach, Florida. I've been listening to your podcast for a year, finally stepped up to premium membership. Now the wife and I watch the No Spin News every night. should have subscribed years ago. Dylan, that's what I told you, man. Didn't I tell you that? I don't understand. And people see me on the street. Well, where are you? Go BillOReilly.com. Every night we do the No Spin News. I mean, why are you wasting your time watching cable TV news? Why? What are you learning there? Really, this is a serious question. Next time you watch cable news, look at yourself and go, what did I learn? Here, you learn every night. I mean, we present stuff to you you don't hear anywhere else. And it's all true. Michael Dolby, Cape Coral, Florida, just finished Killing Crazy Horse. Great read. I had no idea how brutal the American West was. Absolutely. People have no idea what happened in the West, how this country was forged. So that's why Killing Crazy Horse has now sold more than a half million copies and still selling briskly. If you order Killing the Mob out May 4th, May 4th, we give you 50% off Killing Crazy Horse. A great deal. You'll like both books, I promise. Okay, we have all the uh, Stand Up For Your Country gear. I always show you this because it's made in America. It is, I think, the best mug on the planet. Stand Up For Your Country. We have them in white. We have the bumper stickers, Stand Up For Your Country. They go anywhere you want to put them. Now, we, we were out of these, and then we had so much demand for them that we have them back. Okay, so you can get those, you can get the mugs, we got hats, we got everything. Word of the day, do not be unctuous, U-N-C-T-O-U-S. Now, I want to wish a very happy birthday to Liz Arcordino, who's 94, okay, 94 years old. Liz having a little uh, health situation down in Arizona. Liz, we we're saying prayers for you. Alright? We wish you a very, very happy birthday and know that your children love you very much. We'll be back with a final thought on Megan and Harry in a moment. Okay, Megan and Harry and Oprah, they're all on uh, CBS last night. And I watched about five minutes of it. That was enough. I couldn't really take any more. So I lived in England, as many of you know, for a year, my third year in college. I understand why uh, the Brits love the royal family. It's a throwback to when they ruled the waves. Uh, Great traditions. You know, it's something unique in Great Britain. I never cared much about it. I mean, we fought a war to throw them out of here, and we won, and that was good. And I don't like royalty very much because I'm a commoner, all right? And I'm not going to call anybody sir, even Paul McCartney, and um, I'm... American citizen, not a British subject, subject to the monarchy. Anyway, so Meghan Markle, uh, actress, uh, marries Prince Harry, and I hope they have a nice life, right? They look okay, but they have all kinds of beefs, and now they've run away from the monarchy. They don't want to be prince and princesses or whatever they were going to be. Let me just run it down. Was the established monarchy in Great Britain mean to Megan? Yeah. Yeah, I think they were. I don't think they like Meghan a lot. Is Megan entitled? Yeah. It looked like, to me like she was. She's got all this wealth and diamonds and she's whining. I, you know, roll with it. Is Harry dazed and confused? Harry looks a little dazed to me, but I admire Harry's service in Afghanistan. I mean, he was in the thick of it. Okay, I have no beef against him, but he looked a little confused. Are the royals angry with this couple for going on Oprah and trashing them? Yeah, they're a little angry. Yeah, since uh, the Queen's husband is going to check out pretty soon. Um, And this is a sport in England, and here in America, too. It's a sport. It might even be more popular than Manchester United in England. The Royals, and what are they doing? You know, Princess Diana. Oh. (laughs) I got through five minutes. That was it. I liked Oprah's glasses. Way to go. That's it. That's all I have to say. We'll see you tomorrow.